the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. John is not talking about that. What he is saying is if you never let others know, if you never make a confession, if nobody you work with has ever known that you know Christ, your family doesn't know this, no one who knows you knows that you say you believe in Jesus, then you don't. If you're always ashamed to be identified as a believer to the point where you never confess Christ anywhere at any time, then you're not a believer. You're not a believer. True believers believe the truth that Christ is God and they confess Him as their God and Savior. Welcome to Verse by Verse Radio, a ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We'd love to have you visit the church sometime. We're located between US 19 and the beaches, and you can find the service times and directions on our church website, lakesidechapel, all one word, dot com. I can't wait to get into today's message. There are a lot of clandestine Christians running around. If someone accused them of being a Christian, there really wouldn't be much evidence to prove it. It's like they want to get the eternal benefits but don't want to incur any of the earthly consequences of being a believer. We really need to hear the challenge from 1 John, to stand and publicly confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. In some countries, this is like signing your own death warrant. Let's not be ashamed of Jesus. He sure wasn't ashamed of us. Before I start preaching, here's Pastor Steve with today's message. Now, as we continue testing ourselves concerning our relationship to the truth, we want to look at one more weight. There are four of them, but one more weight that believers relate to the truth. John tells us that true believers not only know the truth, but secondly, they also believe the truth. In knowing it, they believe it. Verse 22, he writes, Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Now, with this statement, John uses very strong language, exceedingly strong language, to expose the primary, and I might add, the fatal error of the Gnostic teachers. He tells us that those who have left the church and left the fellowship of God's people have left because they were wrong, not in a minor issue, but they were wrong in their view of Jesus Christ. That's a major issue. He tells us that they denied that Jesus is the Christ. And in doing so, he writes, they are liars. Liars. Now notice that in calling them liars, John actually emphasizes the seriousness of this lie. Notice what he says. I don't know how your Bible's translated, but the way it is in the Greek and the way it is in my New American Standard Bible, it says, who is the liar? There's a definite article there. Not who is a liar, who is the liar, indicating that this is the lie that surpasses all other lies. Why is this such a significant lie? 
I mean, all lies are significant, but this is more significant than any other lie because of its horror and its significance. Since, in the words of my friend and fellow pastor Rick Cress, this lie strikes at the heart of the gospel. That's why John emphasizes it. This is not a secondary lie, if we could put it that way. This is primary. And the particular lie that these Gnostic teachers were pushing is that Jesus is not the Christ. John says, who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Now, in what way were these Gnostic teachers denying that Jesus is the Christ? Well, let's back up and have an understanding. The word Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, which simply means the anointed one. Why is Jesus of Nazareth called the anointed one? Because Old Testament servants of God were anointed with oil when they were officially set apart for their service and divinely empowered for that service. That would be a priest, a prophet, a king. Jesus is the anointed one who has been anointed with the Holy Spirit for his work as prophet, priest, and king. So he's known as Jesus Christ. As I've said many times, Christ was not his last name. He is Jesus the Christ, the anointed one. And Christos is the equivalent of the Hebrew word that we translate Messiah, Mashiach, Messiah. So when we speak of Jesus Christ or Jesus the Messiah, we are saying that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the anointed one. But understand this, that when John says these Gnostic liars were denying that Jesus is the Christ, he was not saying that the Gnostics were simply denying that Jesus was the predicted Messiah, much like a Jewish person today, if you witness to them, they might say, I don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. That's not what John is saying. There's something deeper here, a lot deeper than that. John adds some clarity to what he was talking about here concerning the denial of the false teachers by what he says in some other places in his letters. By that I mean, let's look at 1 John chapter 4, just, just a chapter or two over. Chapter 4, notice verses 2 and 3. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ, note this, has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist of which you have heard that it is coming and now it is already in the world. Then look at, at 2 John, 2 John verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Now, it would appear based on these statements and what we know from later writings of later Gnostic teachers that the error that John and his readers were fighting was the teaching that, and note this, this is at the heart of the issue, that Jesus was only a man, they taught. Jesus was only a man and that the Christ spirit, as they called it, came upon this man Jesus at his baptism and left him before the crucifixion. In other words, they believed that Jesus of Nazareth was a mere man, only a man, who was given divine powers 
for just a brief period of time. And in believing this, John said, they have denied that Jesus is God in human flesh. That's why in these other verses he talks about coming in the flesh. They deny that Jesus Christ is one person possessing two perfect natures, both human and divine. Essentially then, what the Gnostic teachers were doing, they were denying the incarnation, God becoming man. No wonder John was so annoyed. No wonder John was so forceful so as to call these these people liars, bold liars. Listen to the way Lloyd-Jones, Martin Lloyd-Jones put it as he expressed how the Apostle John must have felt. He wrote, to say that the eternal Christ left the man, Jesus, on the cross and that it was only the man, Jesus, who died is a lie, says John. I was there. I saw the Son of God die. I was in the upper room when he said to Thomas, reach hither your finger and behold my hands. And when he said to all of us, a spirit has not flesh and bones as you see me have. A spirit cannot eat as you see me eating. I'm a witness of these things. I'm here to testify that it was the Son of God who died and we saw him ascending into heaven after the resurrection. So there is a sense in which we say that there is nothing else to be said about such teaching except to brand it as a lie. It's not true. It's a denial of the facts. It is a denial, he writes, of God's own testimony to his only begotten son who came here to earth. And John indicates, end of quote, John indicates the seriousness of denying that Jesus is the Christ and therefore the son of God by notice us stating at the end of verse 22, this is the Antichrist. He means it's the same spirit of the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. In other words, the Gnostics rejected Christ's full deity as the Son of God, and in doing so, folks, they were rejecting the Father who sent the Son. This is a critical truth that John is teaching here, so let me, let me explain See, in denying that Jesus is the Son of God, these Gnostics were also denying the Father because, watch this, the Son and the Father go together. You can't separate them in the sense that no one can come to the Father apart from faith in the Son. That's precisely what Jesus meant when he said in that now famous statement of, of John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, And the life, no one comes to the Father apart from me. So in denying the full humanity and the full deity of Jesus Christ, these Gnostic teachers, they were not denying an aspect of the Christian faith. They were denying the very core, the very heart of the gospel. See, if Jesus is not the Son of God and the God-man, then there is no Christianity. Not biblical Christianity as we know it. There is no way then to approach the Father. None at all, because there is no way to be declared forgiven of our sins and legally declared righteous apart from Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and what he accomplished on the cross in payment for our sins. There is no other way. See, Jesus must be God and must be man in order to be our Savior. For only God and man in one person 
could pay the infinite price to rescue us from eternal hell. In the words of one Bible teacher, Jesus had to be infinite, eternal God in order to die an infinite, eternal death that will provide an infinite, eternal salvation. That's a good quote. That's a good statement. And this is the very reason why every major cult and every false religion in the world, if they have anything to say about Jesus, it's always wrong. They always get it wrong in identifying who he is and what he's done. They always get it wrong. They always pervert in one way or another the person of Christ and the work of Christ. And why do they do this? Because Satan is behind all false religion. That's his specialty. He's behind these errors because he doesn't want people coming to understand the truth about Christ, because in believing the truth about Christ, they're brought to the Father for salvation. So, of course, that's, that's what he attacks. That's why this is the most despicable lie. It's the most, certainly the most despicable lie that Satan has ever propagated, because to believe this lie about Christ is to doom yourself to a Christless eternity in hell. Because without faith in Jesus being the God-man and dying for our sins, there is no hope to be in heaven standing before, facing a perfectly holy God the Father. Perhaps now we can understand a little bit better why John felt so compelled to use such strong, hard language as to call these Christ deniers liars. Liars. To deny the Son is to deny salvation that the Son has provided in bringing us to the Father. And that's why John states in the next verse, that those who deny the Son do not have the Father, meaning they don't have a relationship with God the Father. Notice verse 23, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. What a profound truth. What John is saying is that the only way to know the Father is through His Son. See, we can't know the Father apart from the fact that the Son has revealed the Father And then he died for our sins so that he could bring us to the Father. Jesus himself said this in John 14, 9. He who has seen me has seen what? The Father. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. In other words, if you want to know what the Father is really like, then look at me, his son. Folks, those who deny, those who deny the truth about the Son of God have no clue who the Father is. Understand this is critical. They have no clue who the Father is. They have no clue how to enter into a relationship with Him. Now, they may have a general, and this is the world's perspective for the most part. They have a general belief in a supreme being. They might even call Him the man upstairs, hideous title. But they would say things like, they believe in a supreme being. They might even believe that He's the Creator. But those who have only that general belief in a supreme being or a creator, or somebody bigger than them. They're just groping in the dark. That's all. It's just speculation. They're surmising about what God is and what he might be like. This is, this is what feeds when there's a crisis, late-night CNN programs, trying to figure out about why would God let this happen if, if, if you say he's good, and, and they just sit around speculating speculating. Listen, don't be naive, don't be unbiblical in thinking that someone who doesn't have saving 
faith in Christ will still be in heaven because they believed in God. There are Christians who are still naive about that. Well, this person believes in God, so won't I see them in heaven? No, not if they reject the Son. Because John said, if you deny the Son, you do not have the Father. You don't have the Father. No one is saved because they believe that God exists. No one is saved because they believe in the God of Judaism and stop there. No one is saved because they believe in Allah. John said that if you deny the Son, meaning that you deny that He is God in human flesh, then you do not have the Father. A few years ago, when my dad lay dying in a hospice facility in Las Vegas, my son Ben and I flew out to see him and hopefully talk to him about Christ. When Ben and I arrived, my brother took us aside and said, listen, Dad, really, he told me he doesn't want you to talk to him about Jesus. He said he doesn't want to hear about Jesus. He already believes in God, and that's enough. He's fine, so don't talk to him. That's not enough. And so Ben and I proceeded to tell my dad about the Lord. I think the only time that I got to speak to my dad when he didn't interrupt. I don't think it was possible that he would interrupt. I don't think he was capable of it, but I do think he heard. And so for I don't know how long, I was able over his hospital bed. I told him everything that I have learned in almost 30 years as pastor here. I just talked really fast and said everything that I could think of to tell him about salvation. But I want you to know it's not enough. It's not enough. You can't just believe in God in general without faith in God the Son because no one comes to the Father apart from the Son. But if you are a Christian, then not only have you not denied Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, but you believed on Him. You believed on Him and you have publicly confessed Him before men. And your faith in Christ means that you have a relationship with God the Father. Notice the end of verse 23. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. Now, what does John mean by this? What John is teaching is that while false antichrist teachers reject and deny the truth about Jesus Christ, real Christians believe the truth about him, and you believe it with such conviction that you are willing to publicly confess your faith in him before others. That's what he said. He said you confess it. Folks, one way to determine if you're a true believer, is that you are so serious about your profession of faith in Christ that you're willing to make it public. You're not secretive about it. That would apply to public baptism. That would apply to letting others know that you're a Christian. Paul said this, Romans, Romans chapter 10. Great verse, two verses on salvation. Romans chapter 10 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. Meaning that if you really believe in your heart, you will confess it with your mouth. Now, let me just balance this. This doesn't mean that 
every opportunity you've ever had, you've always wonderfully and obediently spoken up for the Lord. There, there are times when all of us fail to speak up for Christ, and we regret it, and we repent, and we feel bad about that. There are times all of us could say, I wish I had been bolder in that situation. I wish I had confessed that I believe in Christ and seized the moment. John is not talking about that. He's not talking about that. What he is saying is if you never let others know, if you never make a confession, if, if nobody you work with has ever known that you know Christ, your family doesn't know this, no one who knows you knows that you say you believe in Jesus, then you don't. If you're always ashamed to be identified as a believer to the point where you never confess Christ anywhere at any time, then you're not a believer. You're not a believer. True believers believe the truth that Christ is God and they confess Him as their God and Savior. So folks, here's the test. Do you pass it? Number one, Do you know the truth about Christ? Or are you just groping in the dark too? You're not sure who he really is. You're open to reading more about him and learning from others outside of the Bible who Jesus might be. True believers know who he is. Doesn't mean they know everything about him, certainly, but they know the basics. They know who he is. They know he's deity. They know he's humanity, all in one person. And true believers not only know that this is how the Bible presents Christ, but they believe it. They believe it to the point where they're willing to take a public stand and say, I am a believer in Christ regardless of the cost of that. So, how did you do on this test so far? Do you know the truth about Christ? Do you believe it enough to publicly confess him as Lord and Savior? And that means if you've never been publicly baptized, you ought to be. That's the first public confession that ought to take place. Now, if you... Still don't, if you've never believed in him, you've never repented of your sin, there's still time for you. Repent and believe the gospel today. Let's pray. Lord, it is one thing to say that we believe in Christ, quite another to let others know that we believe in you. I pray for each one of us here. I pray that that as we have examined ourselves, I pray that we would see the truth whether we pass so far or not. Lord, I pray that you will help us to take seriously what John has taught here, not to be naive, thinking that people just have to believe generally that there is a supreme being and they're all right. I know that is the popular view, but help us to not be naive. Help us to stand where Scripture stands. Help us to stand where Peter stood when he announced publicly, and there is no other name given under heaven amongst men whereby we must be saved. It is only through faith in Christ. May we never bend at that point, even if we are accused of being intolerant and narrow-minded. May we take our stand with, with John, who said, if you don't believe in the Son, you don't have the Father. Lord, I pray that you would help us to examine ourselves to see if we're really in the faith, and if not, to get in the faith by trusting you as we repent of our sins. For those who really do pass, Lord, I pray that you'll assure them that they really know you, for they would never know the truth about Christ and never believe in him in a way that's willing to confess him unless they were converted. 
We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. More times than not, it seems like we're like Peter on the evening before the crucifixion. We don't want to bear the shame and the burden of being identified with Jesus. We don't necessarily deny him by saying we don't know him. We just don't stand up to be counted among his followers for fear that it would cost us something. A true Christian stands up and declares publicly by his words and actions, I am with Christ. We should all stop and think about our public confession, our public testimony for Christ. We're not trying to be judgmental. This message is here to encourage you to let the faith that is in come out to be seen on the outside. It's not how we become Christians, but it is how we demonstrate that we are true believers in Christ. Let us help you. You can take advantage of many resources that are found on our website, versebyverseradio.org. Call us at 727-239-0306 for help and counsel. We need your help, too. This ministry is supported by our listeners. If you would like to send a gift to help us stay in the air, you can do that by phone, mail, or even online. We appreciate your faithful support and partnership. Join us next time for the next message in the series. There are only a few messages left in this series. Don't miss any of them. Until next time, this is Jerry Pruden saying, we can't wait to be with you here again on Verse by Verse. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.